Um, but today we're gonna finish up our First Things First series, and we've been working through the book of Haggai. And I, I just wanna say this, before we jump into God's word today, I think sometimes the temptation for us as we read God's word is to read it as if it's something that was written a long time ago for people a long time ago, about people a long time ago, and we, we miss the fact that God wants to speak to us today through his word. So we're gonna read the story of Zerubbabel today. And by the way, let me just give a disclaimer. I'm gonna say a lot of really difficult names today and I'm gonna mess them up a few times. Zerubbabel, I'm gonna say that like 150 more times. So it's gonna get a little bit messy today with the names. But we're gonna talk about Zerubbabel. And what I want you to hear today is not a story, uh, just a story of Zerubbabel a long time ago, but I want you to hear God speak to you through his word today. And so we're going to be in Haggai chapter 2, verses 20 to 23. And Haggai, the, the big message of Haggai is that we've got to get our priorities straight. The people of Israel had messed up. They'd been in exile. And even coming out of exile, they still continued to struggle to put God first. They still put themselves first and lived selfishly and invested in their own lives and their own houses. And so, so the story of Haggai is the story of God getting the people's attention through the prophet Haggai and saying, put me first. So I, I want you to hear God's word today, and I want us to know that the most important thing you can do today is put God first, first in your life. So Haggai chapter two, verse 20. The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers. Horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord. That, if you think this is just about a guy a long time ago and you don't even know the guy, this isn't real exciting stuff. But I'm convinced today that if God were here, and God is here, by the way, that God would want to say to you, put me first, and I choose you, I want to make you a signet ring, my signet ring. I believe God wants us to put him first and God wants to use us the same way that God used Zerubbabel a long time ago to continue his work and his redemptive power in the world. And so hear God's word to you. So what we're going to do, we're going to look at, there's four different things I think we can learn from, from God's message to Zerubbabel today. And so I want to give you a little bit of the background. We haven't talked a lot about Big Z or Zerubbabel. We haven't talked about him a lot in this series, but, but he's the one that a lot of these messages are addressed to. He's the governor of Judah at the time. And so he is in the position of leadership, and if you've ever been in a position of leadership, especially if it's over a lot of people, you know that there is a heavy weight to leading. And so here in the book of Haggai, we have, we have several times where God comes to the people through Zerubbabel, and he says, listen, you guys have to get it straight. You guys are messed up. You're going down the wrong path. Get your priorities right. And, and I have to think Zerubbabel, as the governor of the people, 
has to be feeling the weight of the people's and his own failures and mess-ups. And so God comes to people and says, you're putting all your time and energy into your own stuff and not into my house. And he says, get it straight. Put, put your priorities on me first and build my house. And, and if you were the leader of those people, as Zerubbabel was, you'd have to feel some weight and some, maybe some shame and some struggle. And then God comes again later and says, listen, you're doing the right things. Once they start building the temple again, God comes back and says, listen, you're doing the right things, but your hearts are messed up. Get them straight. And, and I have to think that Zerubbabel must have been in a tough spot because you know good and well that we as humans are really good at dwelling on our failures and our faults, right? We're a lot better at remembering the times we failed than we are at celebrating the successes that we have in life. And so I've got to think that the governor of Judah here, Zerubbabel, is sitting there feeling like a failure, but God comes with this word of encouragement. Now, I want to take you a little bit deeper because there's so much to this story and this scripture. God's doing something huge here. See, Zerubbabel not only is the governor of Judah, not only is he leading the people who have messed up a few times and need correction, but he also comes from a pretty tough place. See, Zerubbabel had a grandfather. He's called Jeconiah or Jehoiachin. That's, he's got several different names. Kaniah is another one they use in the Bible. But I want you to hear what it says in 2 Kings 24 about Zerubbabel's grandfather, Jeconiah. It says, Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he became king, king of Judah. And he reigned in Jerusalem, listen to this, for three months. It, it, down in verse 9 of 2 Kings 24, it says, he reigned for three months and he did evil in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father had done. So Zerubbabel is leading the people, and they're struggling and they're failing, but not just that. He comes from a long line of leaders who have messed up. His grandfather, his grandfather's father, and, and, and that's his family. If you read further um, in Jeremiah chapter 22, this is what God says to Jehoiachin or Jeconiah, he says, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, even if you, Jehoiachin, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were a signet ring on my right hand. Does that sound familiar? That's what God says in, in Haggai chapter two to Zerubbabel. He says, even if you were a signet ring on my right hand, I would pull you off. That's, that's how messed up he had, he had been. That's how much he had blown it. God says, even if you were my signet ring, I would pull you off. Then in verse 30, it says, this is what the Lord says. Record this man as if childless, a man who will not prosper in his lifetime, for none of his offspring will prosper. None will sit on the throne of David or rule anymore in Judah. And so, so Zerubbabel's not only a governor of a people that are blowing it time and time again, Zerubbabel comes from a name that's kind of known for blowing it. I mean, think about that. We remember that stuff, right? I mean, our names carry significance. Our family carries significance for us. When people hear that I'm a Mahaffey, they're not surprised that I cry every five minutes. We, 
we're all that way. That's how we are. And, and I don't know, I, was th- I said this in first service, I, I would be interested to know, like when one of my sons comes around the corner, what do people say about it? Oh, there's one of those Mahaffey kids. Wonder what people say. Well, I can tell you that for Zerubbabel, that wasn't good. He came from a place of failure and brokenness, and he's leading a people who are, who are continually struggling, and so God comes to him, and that's why this is so amazing, is, is God is, number one, encouraging Zerubbabel, but he's also doing something incredible in that he's restoring a whole family, a whole line. And so his family name was messed up, but look at what God says to Zerubbabel on that day. I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you. This is an incredible moment of of reconciliation. This is an incredible moment for a guy who comes from failure. All he's known is failure and pain. He comes from a name of brokenness, and God says, I choose you, and I'm going to make you like a signet ring. So let's look at the four things we learn. Number one, I don't know what, I don't know what kind of family all of you come from. I don't know if when you walk into a room and they, they see you, they think, oh, that's one of those guys. Or if you come from a great line, but, but number one, when we put God first, it changes the course of our lives and of our families. This is huge. See, Zerubbabel had a choice to make. Am I going to put God first or am I going to put myself first? Am I going to continue to invest in my own house and my own wealth? See, that's what his grandfather did. He did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. He didn't put God first. He worshiped other things first. And so Zerubbabel has this choice. Am I going to put God first or am I going to continue in the line and the failures and the brokenness? He chooses to put God first. And in Haggai chapter 2, God says, I'm going to restore this line. I'm going to change everything because you put me first. When we put God first, it changes the course of not just our lives, but people's lives after us. Listen, we all want our family, we all want our family name to be good, right? We all want our kids and our grandkids and everybody that comes after us, we all want them to have the best. I mean, we put our kids in the best schools with the best teachers if we can. We, we get our kids the best coaches for their sports teams because they've got to have the best chance of succeeding in sports. We, give, we put money away because we want our kids one day to have a lot of money. We want them to be set up for success. That's a huge thing in our world today. We worry a lot about our kids and our family. I want you to know today that the most important thing you can do for your life and for your family is to put God first. I'm so thankful. I, I, I didn't come from the greatest line of preachers ever. I didn't, my dad's great. Sorry, dad, I'm, I'm bagging on him a lot today. I didn't come from the richest family. 
We're not well-known, we're not famous, we're not, we're not the Andy Stanleys of the world, but you know what? My parents put God first in everything. And there's nothing more valuable in my life than the example that was set because God was working through my parents. Today we have a choice. Are we gonna put God first? Are we gonna let other things get in God's way? If we will put God first, not only will it change our lives, but it will change the lives of people around us and our families. See, this, this wasn't just a, a, a prophecy. This wasn't just a promise to Zerubbabel. It was to all of God's people. They'd messed up. They'd blown it. They were in exile. And God says, put me first. And guess what? From this day on, I will bless you. And he says to Zerubbabel, I'm going to make you a signet ring. I have chosen you. Hear God's word today. God loves you, and I don't care what the past has been like, and I don't care what your family name means, and I don't care how many times you've blown it. Today, you have a choice to put God first. He chooses you. When we put God first, it changes our lives, changes our family's lives, and putting God first is the best thing you can do for your family. Who knows what, what God wants to do through your decisions, through your priorities being put in God first. Number two, when we put God first, God's redemptive work in the world continues through us. See, Zerubbabel didn't come in at the beginning of the story. The story had been going on for a long time, and, and spoiler alert, the story's continuing on through us a long time. Zerubbabel came onto the scene, and he had a choice. Am I going to live for God? Am I going to put God first, or am I going to put myself first? And when he put God first, he joined a long line and a long story of what God is doing in this world. In Matthew chapter 1, we have what's called the genealogies the lineage of Christ. And it tracks from Abraham. When God called and said, I'm gonna make you a great nation, it tracks from Abraham to David, and then it goes from David to Jesus. And it's this story, it's the story of redemption of what God's doing in the world, bringing his son to save the world, the story that continues on today. Matthew chapter one, verse 12. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. When he chose to put God first, he joined in the story. He joined in the lineage, the genealogy. He joined in the line of what God was doing to restore all things. He joined into a bigger picture. It wasn't just about his decision. It was about what God's been doing all along and continues to do. And he stepped into his place in the story. When we put God first, God's redemptive work continues in us. See, God has a plan to make all things new. This broken world around us, the pain that we see, the evil, the messed up stuff, that's not what God wants for this world. God wants to redeem and restore all things. God wants to fill this place with his glory and guess what, if we put him first, we become a part of that big story. We all wanna be a part of something big, right? There's nothing bigger than we could do than to put God first and be a part of what God is doing in this world. 
God will work through you. Number three, when we put God first, we bear the glory of God. It's not just about making a decision and showing up to church and being a nice person. It's not just about getting our our lives to look neat and clean. It's not just about calling ourselves by a name. God wants us to be filled with his glory. God wants you to experience the glory of God and the glory of God to move through you. It's not just a small decision. But God's glory is going to fill this earth. Earlier in Haggai, God says, my glory is going to fill this temple, this house. I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, and it's going to be full of my glory. And listen, we understand that Jesus was the coming of the prophecy. He was the glory that was coming. He came to the temple, and he filled it. And it was, it was God's glory through Christ, his son. But when Jesus went back to heaven, he said, I'm sending you my spirit that will live in you. And, and I have this idea, it's not my idea, but I believe that God's glory that's filling the earth is not just something that happened a long time ago, and it's not just that Jesus came, that's the focal point, that's what it's all about, but I believe God's glory continues to be poured out in our world through us, through his people. When Zerubbabel made a decision to put God first, he was filled with the glory of God and God's glory came into his heart and into his life and passed through him and into the world. You know what the the world needs? We think the world just needs the right answers, right? If only they could get the right answers, then we would all be fine. We think the world just needs to behave the right way, right? You know what the world needs? The world needs the glory of God to flow through God's people. I think the primary way that God wants to show his glory is through his people that put him first. I guarantee you that you've seen the glory of God most as God has worked through other people. That's how God works. So when we put God first, we bear his glory and God's promised glory often comes through his work and his people. And so God says on that day, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and I will make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you. Let's talk about a signet ring for a minute. A signet ring is something that, that kings and, and noblemen would have. And the signet ring was a powerful thing because when a king wanted to make a decree, he would stamp it with his signet ring. That signet ring meant this comes from the king. This has authority. This has power. When he would send a letter, he would send it and he would stamp it with his signet ring because that told the person getting the letter that it wasn't an imposter. It was the king that was writing. And so the signet ring carried the glory of the king with it. If you got a letter and it had the stamp of the king on it, that's not a letter you're discarding. God says, I want you, Zerubbabel, my servant, to be like my signet ring. I want you to bear my image, my glory. I want you, when I want to work in the world, I want to stamp it with you, my glory. When I want to send a message, I want it to go through you, my signet ring. 
God's will for us is not that we're just a bunch of people that show up and sing. God's will is that we would carry his glory and that he would stamp what he's doing here on earth with us, his people, his image bearers, his signet rings. Is there any greater honor that we could have? Is there anything better that you could do with your life than to be a representative, a signet ring of the almighty God? See, kings had signet rings, but we're talking about the king of kings here. And he comes to Zerubbabel and he says, I want to make you my signet ring. I want my glory to fill you and I want to stamp my work on this world with you. There's nothing greater we can be. And I don't know about you, but when we talk about legacy, when we talk about you know, what we want to leave those that come after us. There's nothing more important than that when others see us, they see the image of the king. I want my kids to have good teachers and I want them to have good, you know, coaches and I want them to have money when they get older and I want them to be taken care of. You know what I want more than anything? I want them to know the creator God, the only one that can give them life, the only one that can save them. God wants us to be his signet ring, which brings us to number four. How does that happen? What does it look like to be God's signet ring? Well, when we put God first, our lives point to Jesus. That's how it works. We become the image bearers. We're filled with his glory. And so when people see us, they are pointed to Christ. Not to a, to a guy who was halfway successful or, or not to a person that was super talented. Or, when God speaks to Zerubbabel, he's not saying, Zerubbabel, I'm going to elevate you over everyone else. He's saying, Zerubbabel, you're going to be my signet ring and you are going to point other people to Jesus. And we see in the genealogy that Zerubbabel's name points to the coming of Christ. You know what God wants to do through each and every one of us? He wants us to put him first. He wants to fill us with his glory. He wants us to be his signet ring, and he wants us to point to Christ. We've got to start pointing to Christ our lives, if we're putting God first, others should see it, and there's no way they can miss that this is from God. Can't be about us. And so when we put God first, our lives point to Christ. I, I read this this week in, in one of the commentaries that I studied. I wanted to share it with you. It says, the implications of this are staggering. It means that the building of the temple is not the main point of the book of Haggai. And it means that the restoration of Zerubbabel is not the main point of the book of Haggai. It means that Jesus is the point of the book of Haggai. It means that Jesus is the greater temple to whom the restored temple pointed. It means that Jesus is the greater king to whom the restored governor pointed. We are to point to Christ. If we'll put God first, our lives will point to Christ. The world will see not a church that has it all together, not a church that's really cool. If we put God first, 
the world will see Christ in us. We will be the signet ring. There's no greater calling. Imagine if every single one of us put God first in everything and we pointed to Christ. Imagine if every single one of us, when we left this place, we went to lunch or we went to work or we went to school or wherever we went and we pointed to Christ. Imagine what would happen. Imagine what a God that created all this, a God that parts the seas. Imagine what God could do through people that are dedicated to glorifying him. That's the decision we have to make today. Is your top priority going to be work? Is it going to be school? Is it going to be money, houses? Or are you going to put God first in everything? We like a good cause, don't we? We want to be a part of something that changes the world. We, we like getting involved with organizations and causes that change the world. And so we, we support things like, like clean water for people that don't have clean water. That's a great cause. One of the things I'm passionate about is, is all of the children in the world that didn't grow up with a home like I had. And I love causes that, that support adoption and giving families to these children. And there are all these good causes, and we like to be a part of a good cause, right? Listen, Jesus is the salvation of the world. There is no greater cause than the cause which is Jesus. And the best thing you could do with your lives is to point to Christ. Only in him does our world have hope. All those other causes are great. I'm not saying don't do those things. I'm saying put God first and point to Christ because that's what ultimately is going to save and change this world. We got to put God first. So as we wrap up this series, I, I just want you to take a second and I want you to really think about your life. I don't know what the temptations are for you. I don't know what the things that get in the way of God being first in your life are. I would imagine for some of you work. You want to you wanna build a career. You want to work hard. You want to be really good at what you do. You want to make a name and so work can get in the way. I imagine for some of you it's family, you want to invest all your time and energy into your kids, and you want them to be set up. I, I would imagine for some of you, it's money. You want to make the most money. You want to make enough to where you're, you've got everything figured out and you're set up. Maybe for some of you, it's your time. You just don't have time to put God first. Zerubbabel was at a place. He came from a long line of failure. He led a people that were failing, and God said, put me first. And he did. And God says, I have chosen you. You will be my signet ring and you will be filled with my glory. And I'm going to work through you. Today we have a choice. I know that some of you are probably in that place where you're already living for God, but I want you to know today that your choice today to put God first has eternal implications on your life but not just your life, the lives of those that will come after you. The question is, will you put God first? Maybe there's something in your life that has just become too important and it's gotten in the way of you worshiping God. Maybe there's something in your life that's become too important and, and you have sacrificed your pure heart to worship something else.
Maybe you've just gotten so busy that God's gotten pushed to the side. Today we have a choice. Will you put God first? I believe God is speaking to us to say, today and saying, I choose you. Father, I thank you for your word in Haggai. I thank you for your people and, and just the story of the way you've been working from the beginning of time. And Lord, we know that your story continues on and we are a part of something that's going on and you one day will come and make all things new, Lord. And, and Lord, we are here to glorify you. But Lord, if there's anything in any of our lives right now that have gotten in the way of us putting you first, if there's anything that's just come, become a little bit too important, if there's anything that has become more valuable to us than our relationship with you, I pray that you would point out those things right now, Lord. And I pray that we would surrender them to you. Lord, the question that it comes down to is are you worthy of us giving everything? And we're gonna sing that song, Lord. Are you worthy? And the answer is yes, you are the God Almighty. You are the creator of heaven and earth. You are our salvation. You are everything and only in you can we have life. So Lord, we worship you now and my prayer is that each and every one of us would put you first, that we would give you everything. Be with us, Lord. Be glorified in us, Lord. And I pray your glory would fill this place now as we worship you and put you first. In Jesus' name, amen.